Welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast. And it is late June. It's been about three months since the COVID pandemic really shut down parts of our economy and parts of our lives. Uh, I think people are starting to hope that they can get back somehow to the way things were, or they're just waiting uh, for something to change, something to happen. Peter and I are here today. We want to talk about why trying to get back to the way things were might not be the best idea. It might mean missing some real and significant opportunities for a better life and uh, a better world, even. So thank you for joining us. Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today, we will continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with almost 50 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. That introduction, as far as I'm concerned, and we've been, <clears throat> this is our, what, 83rd? 83rd. Episode of 83 hours. Yeah. We've been working on this theme for a year and a half. And uh, it doesn't grow old. No. In fact, it's more timely now to many more people than it was when we started. We knew it was timely for plenty. Yeah. But, we, but now it's so, it's in everybody's face. It's in it's, everyone's lives yeah. and faces. And yes. to use our experience and um, the work that we've done for encouragement and hope through all of this crisis, all of these confrontations that are happening to people's lives now, where they really aren't, we aren't having the control that we thought we had. And um, looking at this, we've got there's the issues, fears about health, of course, the COVID-19, the economic woes that we're going through, which are enormous. Um, the unemployment is so enormous, I can't even relate to the numbers. It's an unreal, an unreal number. And, yeah. um, and seeing businesses struggling and seeing how uneasy everything is. Uh, I look at this, this is a hard time. There's no question about it. But, you know, a lot of people like ourselves, we help a lot and we're going through ourselves, have been having hard times way before this. And we've been involved in an awful lot of people and helping them recover from trauma and crisis. So to us, it's kind of like, a, I know it's not the norm for most people. For us, it is. And we've had to learn over many, many years, along with many of the frontline workers, um, how to live and exist and actually thrive in these very extraordinary, difficult kinds of realities that we've chosen or, or, or have been called to serve in. But now it's in everybody's face. And I would say, I wouldn't say, I know how difficult it could be for us, and yet I don't see us in crisis over this. I see us taking normal precautions. I see us paying attention to what's going on, but it's not throwing us for a loop like it's throwing so many other people. And the reason is we have so much more experience with crises and trauma and the effects on others as well as the effects on ourselves. One of the things that I know we've learned, what, is, what are you going to uh, title this presentation today. Well, we had a little discussion about that. Yeah, that's what I missed. And, uh, and 
what we ended up with mm -hmm. is dig, dig deeper to find hope and strength today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've written lots of papers that were published and I went over, I just have to be honest with you, I went over a paper we wrote not that a long ago. A couple months ago, ago yeah. Yeah, and I, well, I forgot about it. This is what happens when we do our papers because so much is going on. And it came to us in our staff meeting about this, this issue in this paper and I didn't even know where it was anymore. And Jenny did. And uh, I realized that we put it out there for our clients and whatever. And then I read it today and I was taken by it. And I'm not saying this to be self-aggrandizing. I don't mean it that way. It really encouraged me. And it was so clarifying and uplifting that I told Jenny we need to, it's a longer paper, and, I, and we need to shorten it and send it to some of the bigger papers and editorial uh, columns because I think it's that good. In fact, I've read a, read a lot of good material, and we've used it um, on edi in editorials about how to find hope and strength during difficult times. I think most of the papers... Most of the editorials we read, I feel, have been very, very good. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been a lot of overlap. Well, I want to say one thing. I think our paper that I read today is better than, more encompassing than most of the others. There are some that really stick with me, and I'll mention one briefly. But um, I felt that this really covered so much ground that's so relevant to right now. And that paper and the principles in it come out of the experience that you were talking about just a moment ago. Um, the t kind of work that we do and the lives that we've led and the calling that we've followed over the years mm -hmm. uh, in this what we call extraordinary reality mm -hmm. uh, has led us to go through very challenging times and experiences and learn how to grow through them and to learn and to move forward. Well, we actually have seen that crises and trauma produce, can produce growth, and they're an opportunity for so much, so much growth and development that we never could have imagined without having to go through the struggle and suffering. It takes that to wake us up to open new doors of opportunity and and uh, understanding about life that we never would reach any other way. Well, now. You know, okay, we're used to it, and yet this, we still go through very difficult times. And we're seeing now it, this is happening on a massive level. And, and so many people are going through it. We also are seeing so many people so scared, so angry, and so troubled because they're being forced to confront things in themselves that we've been forced to confront so many times about our, the human condition. We've had to be we're forced to look at ourselves because. Many times we go into situations that are dire, and people are dying, and they're sick, and they've been through some very, very bad times, and we've got to deal with that. And one of the things we go in with is, oh, we're, we have plenty of good fix-it intentions, we know what we're doing uh, to a point, um, but we also run up against the situations where we don't, there are no answers. We have to ride it out with the person and the loved ones and we're dealing with someone who's dying, and there's no turning it around, there's no fix-it on this. And we've had to learn to accept that we don't have the kind of control that we, we hope we would, We'd like that to we have. pray for it, we would love it, yeah. um, and yet we don't. So that forces us to look at ourselves, and, and it takes us to the limits of who we are. And then after that, we have to go farther than who we are. 
And um, that's, that's the time of real growth. It's also a time of developing faith and trust and hope in a brand new way. Because if you can't find that, it becomes an extraordinarily discouraging and despairing and um, depressing time. And for folks, unfortunately, now I'm seeing too much of it, they're, ser they're getting seriously depressed and they're petrified and they're not moving. Many people I see are so stuck and um, if they've had attitudes, and forgive me, I, I know not everybody claims to have had this, um, but I, as I think about it, the word that comes to mind is an attitude of entitlement, that um, things are supposed to go a certain way. We've worked really hard, we've made a lot of money, uh, or we've worked hard for money in our homes, uh, for corporations, our 401ks, all our pension plans, and all our financial security. And so we figure we've done all of that, and we should have security now. We should be feeling very comfortable. And instead, it's just the opposite. Because most of the things we've struggled for and worked so hard for are not holding up during these times. In fact, this is a challenge during, for our health, for sure. Um, it's a challenge economically and financially. And many people are hard workers. Their businesses are going under. Hard, hard working employees don't have work. To, the massive numbers. Um, we're not talking about people who don't want to work and haven't been productive, but whatever they've invested themselves in isn't holding up now. So that's being taken away. And it kind of causes this stripping mm -hmm. yes. of, of what we thought was going to give us security and safety. We've talked about it before, but it's a very profound experience because it's very, it's excruciatingly painful. It's painful and it can, and like you said, it can leave people very scared because they, if they haven't gone through it enough or really gone through it before, they're wondering if they're gonna make it through okay. If they're even willing to go for it. A lot of them don't go for it at all. They're just paralyzed mm -hmm. with fear and they're not what you call a self-starter or their, their fears are so overwhelming, they just can't put one foot in front of the other. The, the, of course, the media is filling them with fearful information. Um, the truth the truth are this, this COVID-19 crisis is not going away. In fact, it's increasing. Um, so what we thought would happen isn't, what we were hoping for isn't happening. Um, so things are hard. Nobody's minimizing the realities. We're just saying, are these realities enough to shape our entire outlook toward our life in a negative way? And the answer is it shouldn't be. And that's when we begin to look at ourselves, and it's not, a pl it's not easy, um, and come to grips with what we wish we could have been, but we're realizing we're not. And we're also looking at that we've invested ourselves with such intensity in getting ahead in all these, the financials, we call them the tangibles of life. And we've made a tremendous investment in that. Um, and now we're finding that instead of it giving us an inner strength, it's just the opposite. Or security. It's, or security. It's a very fragile mm -hmm. defense against the things that are happening now when you're in a crisis like this. So you look at that and you go, well, then what happens? Well, there's an incredibly different reality that's been masked when you're invested in, in your tangibles. That's the intangibles of life that are really important, that have offer fulfillment and creative and a certain creativity in real life. 
um, and it, it's it's a completely different way. It's putting thing, it's investing your energy into things that really count in life, and it's not money, it's not material things. It may be your fellow man, it may be your your family, it may be loved ones, it may be people that are left for, less fortunate than you, even though you're suffering and struggling. And yet those things can bring about a gratification and fulfillment that no money can buy. But yet we wouldn't even know about that if we stay locked in the other way and stay locked into which which we've done. I think we wrote this paper originally, one version of it, in the last crisis, which was the Great Recession. The Great Recession. And we even wrote a book and papers that were published then, and the book was called Trauma, Healing, and Epidemic, which really came out of that crisis. We all were affected. I was affected plenty. Um, economically and personally, um, and yet out of it came so much creativity and so much so much information that flooded us about our experiences in the past and how we could help other people get through this because they were petrified. They were losing their homes, their money, their security. They were being bullied and treated terribly by the banks, and it was a horrible time, really, really horrible, and. Um, <laughs> They were made to feel like they were the. It was their fault, and the truth is, they were the victims of very corrupt business. No question about it. But yet, it was happening on a massive level. I mean, it was it was terrifying. So many people were afraid. But we learned a lot. We learned a lot at that time, and we're putting that to work now in the crisis that we're experiencing as a nation, as a world. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll continue. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Peter and I are here today talking about, uh, well, we're working off of a paper that Peter put together just recently. And we're talking about um, digging, our title is Digging Deeper, Dig Deeper, mm -hmm. to find hope and strength in this crisis, in this very difficult time. It's not getting all that much easier. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are ways to approach, ways to go through this time that will lead to a better life, a better outcome than others. I know. And, um, you know, I, I feel a, a sense of uh, uh, excitement maybe a little anxiety too, that this is a really important paper. It's a really important subject. And we want to convey something positive to people because right. this is a time that it's too easy to fall behind fear and panic and discouragement and despair and distrust. And I see too, I still see too much of that. Every bit of that is a handicap it, toward that, moving into a, to a better, more successful outcome. One, absolutely. And you know, the last crisis we saw stages and one of the things that finally came, the barriers came down between individuals and people began to care about each other again and relate to each other. The barriers of pride and, you know, everybody out for themselves, which was pretty intense at that time. Well, we watched that be broken down. And not that people did it on purpose, but the whole situation was so critical. That was one of the things, and what came out of that? was so touching because it was like everybody was dealing with this adversity and we were all in it together and people began to show compassion and empathy for their fellow man 
like I haven't seen in a long time, and on a pretty big scale. Mm -hmm. And that was a wonderful transition and transformation that we saw, and it was very hopeful yes. to see that happening. And I think our, our concern, and I don't remember being heavily emphasized, was I just hope people, when this is over, don't go back to the way they were. Well, unfortunately, that's kind of what think, we saw. I I, I'm sure did. I know there are people who changed as a result of I their experiences, too, yeah. but more than we would have liked to see, wanted to go back to life as normal. As yeah, and so they went back, and unfortunately, the barriers came back up, and um, the, the stress, the this, you know, desire for self-sufficiency, success, and financial stability became overpowering. Well, here we are again, mm -hmm. and I think this one is so much more massive because we're also dealing with physical health and mental health now um, on a huge scale, tremendous. I, I, I think this, this particular crisis is so much more encompassing because it's a pandemic and we're seeing it affect the entire world and physical health, anxieties about it's, death and dying. The threat of becoming sick is interfering with that that thing we saw before of people reaching out to help others. I know. Now the threat is reaching out to others might result in becoming sick. And, and no, so, it, it causes a sense of distrust and distancing. Yeah. It's a reality, it's an unfortunate one. I frankly find ways to get around that with people, with taking precautions but not letting them get in the way when I see somebody who's really in trouble and suffering and in worse shape than I am, and there's plenty. We're not doing that badly, even though I have a very serious situations at our work and in my own life, I still find the desire to care about other people that's very strong. And when I see somebody in need, I make sure that I, I respond generously, personally and financially. And um, that's not come out because things are easy. Mm -hmm. In fact, even when I when I when I go shopping or I go out to eat and you know, sit outside, whatever, I know these people haven't worked in three months. I know that just to get for a waiter just to have some work, it's a big deal. So I make sure even the money that I give them is more than I would normally, because I know this is a different time. The need is greater than it much was. greater. I don't really think like oh I have to watch my dimes dollars and cents, I've got to be, I want to care about my fellow men and make sure that I help them too, in whatever way I can, and those are just some of the ways, there's a many. But I, I you know, I was, we've read a lot of papers over the last months, um, there's great editorials in a lot of the papers, we love them, um, but the one that really sticks out in my mind the most was in the Wall Street Journal, and I'm, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but the reason I'm going to bring it up is, it'll become obvious in a minute. It was called Dying Gives Us a Chance to Confront the Truth, and it was written by uh, Kevin Rowe, his theological professor. Beautiful article and very touching. And um, being a professor, I thought, oh, this is going to be one of those really esoteric intellectual papers, and it's a great theme, but is it going to come out? You know, like in real life. Well, it turned out to be really applicable in real life, and why? Because he's younger man and he's he's dealing with a wife he adores who's dying and he's taking care of her now of course i relate to that um my wife is dying too and i've been together with my wife uh we've been married 44 years as of friday last friday and we've been actually together almost 47 and i've loved my wife every minute and so of course i relate to this but the article is done in such a profoundly um an enlightening way and I'll tell you what I mean by that. 
he talks about something that really, uh, he talks about getting to the place where authenticity and truthfulness is all it really matters. And he talks about a, a principle, a set of principles that were written during the Middle Ages in the Christian world called Ars Mariende. It's the art of dying. Mm -hmm. And it talks about what you can learn dealing with someone who's dying over a long extended period of time. He also said today most people think, oh, it's better to just have a quick death and just get it over with and it's easier and everybody. Well, these principles, and this guy certainly doesn't agree, and neither do I, um, there's so much to be learned and so much growth that can happen. And what he says is even through this terrible crisis that he's going through personally, as well as the COVID-19, and this was written during this, this time, and, yeah. and it's definitely, he makes it very applicable mm -hmm. to the crisis. He says there's so much to be learned. And what really happens in this stripping away is your values and your priorities change. If they're not there, they're going to change. And it brings out the commitment to truthfulness and authenticity and the things that are the world is so caught up in and we all have gotten caught up in just fall away and they just don't seem so terribly important anymore. What really matters is speaking the truth, being authentic, um, coming to grips with what's real and what's really important and valuable in life and precious. And the rest of it just is not that big a deal anymore. I agree with him wholeheartedly, and I know what he's saying is true. And he also talks about something else. Through the crises, he talks about the high level of anxiety and fear that he's seeing. And what he says is, we don't ask the question is, well, what's behind all of this anxiety? Now, being a, you know, a psychologist for almost a long time, to say the least, um, today I'm more of a, a trauma specialist and consultant and mentor. But um, what he was talking about was thinking about this, and he's talking about people, what's really behind it is people's mortal fear. What does that mean? It's their fear of death and dying. Now, why would that be even more applicable on a massive level now? That's one of the basics of that's happening, fundamentals of Basic this crisis. Basic reality fact right now for exactly. most people. Yeah. And it's forcing all of us to come to grips. This is one of the good things, although it's coming harshly and painfully, that we're all being forced to look at. And that is one of the most core conditions of existence is we're all going to die someday. Our loved ones are going to die. We're going to die. And all of a sudden, the conditions that, have used, that we've used to be just kept that kind of thing away and stay distracted from that reality are falling to the wayside. And here we all are hearing about, I think 500,000 people have died or so, so far from this virus. Millions of others have been afflicted. I mean, this is for real. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, he's saying, well, it's time for all of us to examine the truths that come from accepting that death and dying is part of everybody's life, a very agonizing, painful part, and yet out of it, so many good things can come, like a commitment to truth, honesty, paying attention to what's really important. So instead of looking at this COVID-19 crisis as the worst thing in the world, he's saying, you know, at the end of it, I know what it is that you're talking about, we, in some ways, we can actually be thankful for what comes out of this, because look at the good that can come out of this for all of, all of us. And I know it sounds a little perverse, and the world can be, as he said, 
pretty rough place. And this is one of those devastating things happening in the world, and he's right. And yet, can something really valuable and good come out of it? And he says, absolutely. One of the main points that you make in your paper uh, has to do with emotion mm -hmm. and how emotions can prevent us from having perspective mm. and being able to uh, connect with what needs to happen in the present and how to move through a very difficult time. Absolutely. We're seeing many people, as you mentioned, being fear-driven. It can be a fear of, of death, just exactly as you're talking about. It can be a fear of losing a, a tangible, an intangible, a loved one. Yeah. Um, and that one of the key ways to get through times like these is to be able to look beyond your emotions. You've written about that extensively. A lot. And you know, our work has been devoted toward helping people get through the agonies and emotional wounds and scars of trauma and loss and pain. And, for a long time, thousands and thousands of hours of helping people do this. And what really has come out of it is we've seen, helping people through this, we've seen so many people come out different and better and have a new kind of growth and development and be a different kind of person. And they look good, and yet we know what they've been through. We've, had, we've developed techniques to deal with the, the, the impact of trauma on the body, and how it affects everything else. And um, we've, we've learned to decompress, and we know how important that is. But one of the things that we've learned is when people talk about feelings, they're really talking about emotion most of the time. We're talking, uh, we talked about fear, but there's also anger. And how about the anger that's coming out these anger days? Anger coming out these days, or sadness and grief. Absolutely. There are emotions. And they're coming out very, they're coming out in and some very destructive. Some very destructive, both of others and of self. I know, and to me that's unacceptable. And to make other people targets for our anger and frustration, which this is such a prime time. Everybody's been locked up in fear and isolated. And what comes out of that is frustration, anger, and rage. And the way it's coming out is so destructive. Um, and there's been so much terrible, really heartbreaking violence that's, and it's, it's going on right now. And frankly, I find it repulsive. And I don't see that one group of people are more important than others. To me, all people are important. So when I look at that, all of a sudden, we're, we're not talking about one uh, group of people that are being uh, mistreated, because that happens. We're not denying that. But I think all people are important. And all of a sudden, the anger is turning out to be barriers between different people and causing adversarial relationships and very destructive ones. And we're seeing that a lot of the intensity of what, of what you're talking about are not just about those specific issues, but are about what we've been talking about all today, the, the pandemic, the threat to life, the threat to what we know. And, we, and it's really, it's really fear-driven. We'll come back to that. Yeah. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Uh, Peter and I are talking about how to approach in a better way, moving through this time and coming out the other side and this crisis in a better place 
as better people. It can be done. Uh, what we were talking about just before the break was how emotions, not feelings, but emotions, intense emotions can get in the way of, of being constructive, of moving forward, of developing strength and resilience in this time. Emotions like rage, anger, uh, fear, sadness. Grief. Grief. Although I think grief can also be a feeling and not just an emotion. Well, that's that's right. I mean, when we're talking about grief, that's going out of control. But you're right. <clears throat> and Jenny just made a nice differentiation, and I want to clarify it. When we talk about emotion, we, there's what they call a normal felt state. And that's part of our intuition. We're built with that dimension that we can feel situations and be sensitive and connected. That's normal. That's good. Um, the precautions that we take, there's normal fear. There's healthy fear. Right now. That's what's, what's behind some of the regulations that we think are smart, like wearing a mask or staying some distance. Absolutely. There's normal, and that's a fear trace, but that's, that's good fear. Yeah. We're talking about the kind that turns into rage and turns into attacking and turns into self-destruction as well. Panic. That's not normal emotion at all. No. That is a normal feeling at all. That's emotion. If we allow our emotions to take us over, we're not going to have accurate perspective on anything. There's certainly not going to be hope involved. We're not going to have trust. We're not going to have faith in any of it. It's going to block it all out. Now, we know because we know emotion. We work with people. It affects us. Um, we know what, what it feels like to absorb those intense emotions. We have our own histories. So we know what that's like. The difference is we know how important it is to decompress it and learn how to deal with it in a way that will not be destructive, in a way that clears and, and, de and de-intensifies everything, brings our normal, brings our nervous system back to a normal state of self-regulation. Um, so then our nervous systems, I'll just give it a little side, have the ability when we're really in danger to go to hyperarousal. But when it's over, it, it finds a way to discharge the energy, just like a deer in a, in a, in a field after a predator's gone, shakes off the energy and comes back to a normal state. We have that capacity too. Um, but what happens uh, for us, unfortunately, is we interfere with the normal progression and things get withheld in our bodies. And people at that point don't have a normal feeling state anymore. No. So it accumulates and then they explode and they do some destructive things, which is happening. We know how to do that. We know how to decompress. We feel emotionally just like anybody else, though. We don't want to sit here and, and say we are the experts and we're not like you. And that is not true. We're exactly like you. And I want you to, and probably worse, because we have our own traumatic backgrounds. But the truth of the matter is we certainly, a long time ago, had to take responsibility for um, being mentored and how to, and learning how to deal with these emotions that could be self-destructive enough that we could hurt the things that the people and the things we value. Um, it could have led to addictions. It could have led to alcoholism. It could have led to violence and divorces. All of that, of course, could have happened for us too. Um, but we just took responsibility, saying that this is what we want to do in our life, and we've got to learn to deal with this, and we want to have a better life. The truth is, you can diffuse the pent-up emotion and come to back to your normal feeling state. The situations, though, can stay just as bad out there as ever. It's just that when you come back to it, your head is clear, and you're able to be focused on the present and deal with it in a much more constructive way. 
Um, and that's what I don't see people doing. I'll be, I mean, absolutely I don't see it happening. Do I think it's needed? Massively so. Yeah, I want to I want to stop for a moment because the point you just made, I want to make sure that everyone gets that because mm -hmm. when you're in an emotionally overwrought state, um, you're really not able to see what's happening right now. Uh, you're panicking or you're enraged, and you can't respond to what needs to happen in your life right now to the people in your life or the circumstances. Um, some pe I think sometimes people get that emotional charge and they think they feel strong, they feel ready to take stuff on, but they're not clear, not clear the way they need to be about what needs to happen. No, and, and I think one of the things we've learned over a long period of time and we become, that we do have expertise in is triggering. And what does that mean? It means folks have histories and let's say they have a lot of fear from their past or a lot of anger or a lot of whatever. During these kind of critical times, that can be re reach triggered and what happens is instead of dealing with a normal situation that there is normal fear all this other stuff comes up and it contaminates the present so the reactions are so overdone and out of control we do see it we know it happens all that it, believe it, it happens can happen to all of us but it's so destructive when you would take care and not let the spirit of fear take you over and those emotions take you over and know what to do with them and know how to deal with them in your body and how to get the help you need. It's astounding how you can look at a different situation in the present much more constructively. Like you said, the situation may not change that you're mm -hmm. in, but you can come to it from a different place Absolutely. and see it in a new way. One of my favorite um, philosophers, psychiatrists, was when I was getting my master's, I discovered this guy, Viktor Frankl. And he had been in a concentration camp the Holocaust for four years. And he wrote a number of books. I, you know, I wasn't an intellectual when I went about the school. And yet this man really grabbed me because he spoke about things that made such sense to me. And one of them talked about is we may not, and he couldn't, we couldn't change the abominable situation that he was in. No. Watching all of his family be murdered and watching atrocities that were beyond belief. And yet he said, we can still find hope in the midst of all of it. And one thing we may not have, we don't have control over the circumstances around us. And he was dealing with Nazis and Hitler. Yeah. And he was a Jew, so he was, you know, he, he was, was in a in concentration, concentration camp. camp. But what he did say was, we do have the choice in how we respond, how we respond. to our circumstances. Yes. This man had a common sense about him. And he talked about it's still possible to find hope and joy and strength even in the midst of these horrendous situations. He's written some beautiful books about it. Um, and I think a lot of the articles and editorials that we read, they, they, mentioning him they mention Viktor Frankl. Yes. He's one of my favorites. And um, a very down-to-earth, insightful man who's been, why? Look at what he went through himself. And he was able to write about it. I think his latest book, and it was in German, so his latest book has just been discovered. And I can't remember the name, but he talks about how you can even find joy in the midst of all of this. Mm -hmm. He's right, mm -hmm. but the situation is critical, horrendous, out of control. Death is imminent. Dying is imminent. Sickness is imminent. And yet he's able to say there is a, there is a truthfulness, a joy, a meaning, and a purpose that can come out of all of this that can make all of it be so valuable and I think this is a man that really 
really spoke beautifully and I, I am I, we are following that road today and um, we want to put that message out to people today. One of the ways you have worded that uh, in your paper mm -hmm. is that uh, by holding on to the perspective and not being overcome by emotions you can find that answers to our challenges, answers to your challenges will come. You can have faith that you can work through it and find answers. It, it does come and I think having faith really and I, it could be religious, it could be it is spiritual and personal. It just means knowing something good can come out of all of this, even though we don't see it yet, we don't know what it is. It's certainly a much more positive outlook. And I can speak from experience, and I've been through so many crises and difficulties and um, dangerous situations in my life uh, before I was a professional. And honestly, it, it's the truth. There is hope that you can't always see it at the time. But good can come, it's just having some kind of deeper sense of trust and faith that that will come out of it. If we don't, what's, what we're left with is despair and discouragement, and it's awful. I mean, that to me is total defeat. Before, I don't know what's, what, we're, how far along are we in this today? Uh, well, uh, we are in the midst of the third segment, and we'll have one more after that. And I know you want to get to some of the points that you I made do. in your papers. Well, I do some of the things that we find are principles that we have in every one of these papers, mm -hmm. um, only we kind of morph it and tweak it to the uh, present, whatever the situation is. And I don't want to, I, I don't want to miss those because they are so valuable. Um, they come from experience, they come from going through an awful lot, helping a lot of other people, and we're still going through it, so we're not sitting on any throne professing anything to anybody else. I don't want to sit behind a, a pulpit and, and be a, I'm not a, I'm not a preacher. Um, I'm a person just like everybody else and I want you to know that I too am going through a lot and I always have. But it's that I have a, I have a good life, a very good life, and yet it's still filled with a lot of difficulties. So I wanted to talk about some of the principles that we that we've talked about before. Um, and I noticed in this paper this by the way, I wrote this paper, I forgot about it, I fell in love with it today. So, <laughs> Peter um, came in off the deck and said, this is a great paper, and he's I right. I did not know, I did not remember that, so I'm saying this, even though I wrote it, yeah. trust me, I did not remember that it was a great paper, and I am, it meant a lot to me today. But some of the principles, um, um, I'm just looking at them, and I just, I'm just going to read them off to you and see what you think. Um, <laughs> we need to begin to live each day to the fullest and giving it our best shot without worrying and anticipating the most frightening possibilities or outcomes. I said, this, and this is tweaked today, this is tweaked to the current crisis. This is quite a challenge with the media bombarding us with the worst case scenarios. Very rarely does the media recognize or report the number of healed survivors in this epidemic or other things. It's not very positive news that we get. No. Um, we got to remember that whatever tomorrow brings, we've got to trust there will be answers for the challenges as they emerge. If we don't do this, especially after taking in the dire predictions, we'll start worrying more intensively, overwhelming our capacities for hope, instead panicking and becoming paranoid and making ourselves sick from the emotional distress, anxiety and fear. It's already happening. We're, we're helping people it's happening to them now. So we know this is for real, and we don't want to see good people get sick over this. Um, 
I said, when we start worrying, we must, we gotta recognize that this will evolve into panic, hopelessness, and discouragement. These are our enemies. Instead, we need faith, hope, and trust to overcome our emotional reactions. Without faith and trust, we'll anticipate the worst tomorrow, the worst next week, and the worst next month or next year. That's dire to do that. And yet, all of us are tempted to fall into that. And I talk about, of course, my, sor my source of faith is I believe in God. And the reason is that there are many times I've come in situations in my life to the end of what I know I'm capable of doing, and I have no other place to turn when I'm completely at the end of myself. And I find a strength greater than myself and a hope, and it really comes, it's not me. And out of some very um, difficult and dangerous situations in my life, that's what I've discovered. So, you know, I think during these times, people have to take time to evaluate their spiritual lives, too. Now, it could be religious, it may not. And some people who are very religious need to start examining what they profess versus are they really hiding out in the religiosity, too. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to go about this. That's thing. an important point, and it's one of, of several, and so let's uh, we'll, we'll come back to them after our break. Okay. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to The Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Let's go ahead and get right back to the paper that uh, Peter brought in today. It's, a, it's a full of very practical, uh, hard-won, hard hard-learned lessons on how to make the most out of a very difficult time. Absolutely, and we, we apply these principles and help other people, so we live with, we've talked enough about refusing to take on the spirit of fear. To me, it's very important for your feet to solidly be planted on the ground. In other words, to be down to earth. And the other is to deal with reality. I'm not telling people to be in denial. And knowing me, I'm the last type. I'm just not that kind of type of guy who's out of touch. I'm the opposite. But it's, um, it's important to face the reality now of the virus, its financial fallout. I say don't bury your head in the sand. Look at the hard facts of this evolving situation and crisis as painful, frightening, and traumatic as this may be. The potential loss of your health or that of a loved one, the loss of a job or business and your income, they're extraordinary facts right now. But recognize the next one, that facts are not the complete and total reality. So don't let the facts be that. And don't let them determine whether you're happy or sad, fulfilled or miserable. The facts can be extremely frightening right now with the possibility of losses that I just mentioned. But remember to refocus on the non-tangibles. There is so much beyond what we've been recently caught up in and striving for. I find that a careful balance of tangibles and intangibles provides a solid foundation that is realistic and hopeful. And we've said, don't let your emotions dictate and contaminate your perspective. We've done a lot of talking We've talked about, about that, yes. Another one is appreciate what you have. If you have a loving family, or community, and if you have your health, or even if you don't, appreciate what you do have. The little things can begin to matter so much and be so fulfilling. Appreciate what you have, what you've been given, and how good things have been. I can say that in the midst of probably some, one of the hardest times in my life right now. 
And when I tell people how I've grown to appreciate very little things, and it just fulfills me, I can say it truthfully and, and authentically. Um, if I see my wife breathing in the morning, and if I see her eyes open, and I see I have another day with her, that makes my day. The little things in life, just to have some moments with her, um, are precious to me, to be able to take care of her, to have wonderful caregivers all around her, just astounds me. And I am so grateful for the little things. Now I'm talking from a guy that used to need to have big things, only big things to make him happy. Today it's the smallest little things fulfill my life. And I, I cherish those things. And I, and, I would, and I would encourage other people to, to see that too. We talked about examining your spiritual life. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Reaching out to others. Now this one, you have always done. Absolutely. Always, as long as I've known you. Remember, you're not alone. And many people are experiencing what you are and far worse. If you haven't been charitable, this is a really good time to begin because so many people are in need. And if you don't have money, give your time, your energy, your involvement. It really will mean a lot. I really, I, I can tell you that's a very healing thing to do in the midst. And it even means more when you two are suffering and in pain yourself. So the sacrifice and the selflessness is a form of loving and caring that is so much more developed. And I, re I really encourage people to get to that place. Um, now the next one, I think we really want to stress today because the look for opportunities. This is like the, the, the test, the turning point between people we see who are handling this time fairly well and those who are not handling it well at all. Well, do you want to read it? Or do you want sure. To um, I, you have the better copy of that. Why don't you go ahead and read I that? Do, I do. It says, now you have the opportunity to look at some of the things that you haven't taken time for, that you may have been preoccupied or distracted from. And I know this is true of all of us. Is it time to reevaluate your career or develop a new career, to find your true calling in life, to improve your relationships, and to grow personally in new ways? What about your life that needs to be changed or be improved? This is a critical, important thing to do. I look at this, honestly, personally, I see this time as a true opportunity for that, that I actually have some time to do these things. I am doing the things that I value, but I'm doing more things now, things that I thought were, that I know are important. Well, there's other things that have come up that are very important and very timely, and I'm putting my energy into those things. I do believe I'm following my calling, but it, it does, I have to be fluid and be able to move with the situation quickly and evaluate my life and what gave me what was working before may not work now. I have to do some new things. Evaluating my relationships, I value my relationships more now than ever before in my life. I don't have the time for people who really take a lot of energy, and I don't mean sick folks, or I mean folks that give you a hard time, or who are angry, or get off on putting you down to make themselves feel good, or could be really mean. There's a lot of it striking out these days. I have no tolerance or time for that. I want to be around good people, people who care, who can reciprocate with love and caring and attentiveness and heartfelt compassion. That's the people I want to be around. They're good people. Waste my time in the others. Well, I might have done that for a long time. I don't anymore. I don't have the time. I'm very economical with my energy and my involvements. 
and yet I'm probably surrounded, I mean I am, with a community of such loving people, I call them <coughs> angels, and I know a lot of wonderful angels, and they are just caring, giving, selflessly, loving, sacrificing, they're amazing people, and I'm grateful to be part of that. Um, so I really feel that this is, and for those people that are stuck and um, aren't doing that, and I just want to go back to the way things were, and I've seen a lot of people at this, you're in for a very sad and unfortunate fall, because nothing's going to go back to the way it was anymore. And you're going to have to morph, and you're going to have to evaluate and take new opportunities and changes, um, but you've got to take those first steps. I've seen too many people that are absolutely paralyzed. I've seen other people use this as the opportunity of a lifetime to get started on new things in their life that they've always wanted to do and move ahead. And it's, it's inspiring and it's awesome. And it's not just about money, it's about the times. And it's about what they've always wanted to do that they never took the time to do before. Building new careers, new businesses, new work, things that they feel that it was a bit of calling in their life they're doing it. They have a glimpse, maybe, or an idea, and they have the courage to go ahead and take a step. And they're, that's the thing. And these are people I'm talking about that, oh my God, they're like me. They're just driving it. I'm talking about people that get scared too. And yet they've had something in them that's driven them to embrace the glimpse, to move ahead and to take the risk. Do they get scared and shaky? Yeah. They come to me. Why? because I don't get like that. And I can really encourage them in a really positive, down-to-earth way. There are other folks, unfortunately, that won't even take the first step. And what we're seeing, and there's some nice, good people, they're deteriorating significantly. It's their costing health, them a lot, yeah. Their well-being, um, their relationships, it's, it's a heartbreak. And they won't even take the first step. And even if they've had glimpses, they won't do anything. In, in action to make anything happen. And I'm watching, unfortunately, some very good people deteriorate significantly. And we've seen this in caregivers too, that if they act like this, what happens is usually it's their health, and not just their mental health, but their physical health begins to deteriorate too. We bring people's attention to it, we help, we encourage them to move ahead, but we can't force them. So we're seeing probably more of that, unfortunately. Unfortunately, we're seeing more of that. And that breaks my heart, because these are yeah. some nice people. I'm not talking about bad people. Yeah. Just very frightened. Um, and the other is, of course, we're talking about finding help and support during these times. And if you've got wounds and scars that pass or uh, distorting your responses, get some help from other people around you. It's all right. It's and okay the, to seek encouragement. It's okay to seek perspective. And professional, I, when I say professional, it doesn't have to be a psychologist or therapist. You don't have to go fall into worrying about the stigma of mental illness. No. I'm talking about getting the support you need, getting the, like the work we do with the body. We don't even call it psychotherapy anymore. It's body work that gets this, the deeper emotional material out so we can get these people on their feet and mentor them onto their life. That's much more important to us. But the other one is don't give up. Yep. And I say, let me encourage you, hang in there. Don't let your emotional state about possible health and financial issues, especially by the COVID-19 pandemic, um, determine your future outlook. Remember, there is far more to life to what you're experiencing right now. Have faith and trust and hope in what you yet can't see yet, but know there are good things out there waiting for you. Do I think that's easy? No way. No. Do I have an easy time with it? No way. 
but I know from past experience it's true. And I do have an arsenal of past experiences that tell me there's going to be good things eventually, and there's going to be purpose to all of this. When I'm going through it, I'm just like anybody else. It can be horrendous and very painful and overwhelming emotionally, no question about it. But I know deeper within myself that there's good that will come out of it. There is purpose to all of this. And I've just got to have the faith and trust that it will all work out eventually. And what I'm telling you is just what I talked about. And um, let's oh, see. I want to check with our, Steve. How much time do we have left? Uh, we're probably got about three and a half minutes. Oh, wow. We have time for a short example. Would you give someone, give our, just short, uh, someone who has taken the chance, someone who has moved forward and taken steps? <laughs> our I know producer's wife. <laughs> She's been amazing, Colleen. And we love her. And um, I'm not talking about the most gutsy, driven woman you've ever met in your life, but she's, she's been in business to her for as long as we know her. She's been a mom. Um, and she always had this dream. She's very physically fit. And always had this dream of being a trainer. Being a trainer. For middle-aged and elderly. And um, she's a, a volunteer caregiver for my wife. She's an angel. She's a doll. She always wanted to do this. And she is taking this opportunity during this time when the gyms are closed. Gyms are closed. She got certified. And what do you think she's doing? She's training and she is excellent at it. And she's building a business right now. And she's doing a great job. So she's one. But I know, you know, I've seen so many that are starting new businesses that have new opportunities. They've always wanted to do it. Yeah. But they're doing it now. She's not the only one. I've got others. And I, I'm sorry, I got to cut you off. I wanted to get that in, but now we're short, and I'm going to be talking really fast. Okay? okay. So the Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity that depends on donations. Please visit sctraumatreatment.org and make a donation, or go to our GoFundMe charity page. The Survivor's Guide to Life is on YouTube channel. We're also on our own website, which is thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. We're on all of the regular podcast outlets. Please like us and share us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening, and please join us again next time.